Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Well, it's another week. Uh, the news is dominated, as usual, by something that Donald Trump is involved in. Uh, one thing that bothers me is there's too, too much Trump in the news. We live in a big world. <clears throat> Excuse me. Many things are going on worldwide. We don't hear about them in the media here in this country because Trump every day does seven or eight things and they are reported upon and they push out the European news, the Asian news, South America, etc. And it's sad. I try to do little Trump and a lot of everything else every week, but some weeks even I do not have a choice. I want to start with John McCain, though we talked about him last week. Uh, we've all talked about him several times. He's been in our hearts and our minds and the news, etc. Very briefly, what we saw at the cathedral in Washington, D.C. this past weekend was America, America in operation. There were Republicans, Democrats, Libertarian, Green Party, Independents, uh, Whites, Afro-Americans, Asians, uh, people of every color, uh, people of every persuasion. And they were all there for one common cause to do honor to a man who deservedly uh, was entitled to that honor, John McCain. The words of his daughter, Megan, will live forever, especially one sentence, and that sentence being, and I quote, the America of John McCain does not need to be made great again. I repeat, the America of John McCain does not need to be made great again because America was always great. Now, I have never seen in a religious atmosphere or religious building such as that cathedral, they clap, they clap big time when that statement was made and some of her other statements, and deservedly so. And also the words of Bush and Obama, uh, not only were they perfect for acknowledging and recognizing the man uh, that they were eulogizing. But all three of them, Megan included, knew how to hit at Donald Trump without even mentioning his name. Because what Donald Trump stands for is not what John McCain stood for. Both men diametrically opposed. One, the American way. The other, I don't know which way. Uh, which brings me to another observation regarding John McCain. Let me start this way. And what I'm going to share with you came to my mind, uh, what was it, Saturday or Sunday, when I was watching the procession, uh, the hearse and the series of cars in Annapolis, taking McCain to his final resting place. And all I could think was Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, when he died, had to be transported from Washington to Springfield, Illinois. Uh, they took him by train a 14-day trip because it stopped in many places. Uh, big problem. Uh, they didn't have refrigeration in those days, and our good president, uh, there were some odor problems as he went along. And I'm sharing this with you because you should understand how things were then. Uh, the point, though, lining the railroad tracks from Washington to Springfield were American citizens, were people. Standing on the tracks. Okay, 
recognizing their president, waving little the American flag of that day. This was called respect. There was no shouting. There was some crying. Just standing there in solemn respect. And another American, major American that came to mind was Robert Kennedy. His service was at St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City. His funeral train went from New York City to Washington, D.C. Now, this is 50 years ago. I remember this clearly. 50 years ago, I was 33 years old. Uh, I mean, I, I had a family, four children, I had a wife. I had a house. I had a mortgage. Uh, I had a law practice. Uh, so I was there. We were all there. We all felt this personally at the time. And I recall there on television, people were lining the tracks all the way, really big time, all the way from Washington, D.C., from New York City, rather, to Washington, D.C., once again, in honor of a great American. Now comes John McCain in the hearse, on the highway, going through Annapolis to his final resting place. And what did you see? People crowding the curbs. People crowding the streets, a mass of people. The, the hearse was traveling on a highway. There were bridges going over the highway. Those bridges were packed with people. One bridge had a huge American flag. Uh, it was just so impressive. And I thought, John McCain is getting the same tribute that Abe Lincoln and Robert Kennedy did, and deservedly so. I want to talk about Brett Kavanaugh. You watch TV today, you saw this gentleman who has been nominated by the president to be a justice of the United States Supreme Court. I will tell you right from the beginning, I have been opposed to his nomination. I'm opposed to his approval, but it doesn't mean anything, and it isn't going to mean anything for the Democrats who oppose him because the Republicans control the Senate, they control the Judiciary Committee, they control the full Senate, and the man will be approved, and he will sit on the United States Supreme Court. And sadly, I think he's around 45 to 55, someplace in there, he's going to sit for 50 years. Now, why don't I approve of this guy? He's too far to the right. Uh, he's an ultra-conservative. He's alt-right he is so far to the right, it's hard to see him. And I'm not exaggerating. He has had something like 32 dissents he's written in the 13 years he has sat on the circuit court. That's a lot of dissents. If my recollection is correct, I heard that that is the most dissents by any sitting judge during that period of time. He is pro-gun, supporter of the NRA, uh, believes everyone should be able to have a gun and do whatever they want with it with no restrictions. He's anti-abortion. Uh, I was trying to listen today off and on. Uh, he, he, I think his position is that he, we know he's anti-abortion, and if he had to, he might make changes in the abortion law because times change, people's thinking changed. Look, how old is the abortion, the abortion case now? Uh, Roe versus Wade, 50 years old? Might be time to look at it again and change. This is this man's attitude. He believes in a powerful executive. And he has written, he has written on this, not just the dissents, he wrote on this in legal publications and so forth, uh, because he does not believe that a president should be impeached 
impeached or indicted while he's in office. You've got to hold these things till after he's out of office. That's the way the law's got to work because our presidents are too busy to have this type of pressure imposed upon them. Obviously, Trump is going to come up before him on the Supreme Court in some fashion because Donald Trump is going to get impeached. It will be they will impeach him through Congress. That doesn't mean he will be formally impeached unless we have to see what the Senate does, or he may resign. Uh, he won't be there after 2020. If he survives an impeachment, I believe he will either not run or will be beaten severely in 2020. It is, they just don't like him in this country, except for a solid 35 40%. The people don't like him, and it's becoming increasingly clear, clear that the people don't like him. Kavanaugh today had fireworks. That committee was out for blood. They were arguing amongst themselves, the Republican chairman, the Democratic members. Uh, but it's a war. <laughs> it's a war. And properly so. This man should not sit on the Supreme Court of the United States. His thinking, I'm not saying he's dishonest or anything, his thinking is just too warped. It's not in the common uh, strain of things in this country, uh, and it's not even close to anything this country stands for or thinks for. The man is way out. John Woodward. John Woodward came out with a new book. It, gets, it hits the stands tomorrow. The Washington Post got a copy of it today. The book is called Fear, F-E-A-R. And interesting, it's about, of course, what's going on with Donald Trump now and Donald Trump's presidency to, to date. I'm just going to give, I haven't read the book. All I know is what I picked up off of TV interviews today and made some notes. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading the book. Can't wait to get it. Uh, anyhow, in the book, a couple of things came up. Let me share them with you. Let me start this way. I was a trial lawyer. spent 46 years in the courtroom. And every time you got someone that you had on the stand and you were cross-examining them and you caught them in a lie, I loved it. I loved it because drama has a lot to do with the courtroom. I'd go up to that jury in summation and I'd look them in the eye and I'd say, Whoa, the web we weave when first we seek to deceive. Whoa, the web we weave when first we seek to deceive. And I'd follow it up. It's like throwing a stone in a pool of water. You get a little circle. And then the circle gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's the lie. The lie is that pebble going in the water with the first little circle. But then you've got to lie and lie and lie some more to cover that. And along the way, you forget what the initial lie was. And you get all screwed up in what your testimony would be. And this is what would happen occasionally if I was fortunate in a case. Now, John Dowd, one of the finest uh, attorneys in the United States, he's getting on in years, was one of the first attorneys for President Trump in this impeachment thing, this Russian thing, this Mueller investigation. And they were trying, John Woodward, I'm sorry, uh, John Dowd and his associates tried to prepare Trump to be interviewed or, to, you know, to be put, even put under oath and questioned by Mueller. And they found it impossible because Trump lied and lied and lied. It turned out, as the book reflects Woodward's book, Trump is incapable, you like this, of telling the truth. 
Trump is incapable of telling the truth. In fact, at the end of the mock interviews, it was finally decided this thing just isn't going to work, these interviews. Dowd said to Trump, and I quote, don't testify. It's either that or an orange jumpsuit. Don't testify. It's either that or an orange jumpsuit. Meaning, if you testify, you're going to lie. You're going to get caught in a lie. And then you'll be guilty of perjury, and then you're going to end up in jail, perhaps. Very simple. Uh, At the end of these mock interviews, it's reported in Woodward's book that Trump broke down. He got discombobulated. He was attacking everybody in the room. He lost his cool. That's what's going to happen to him if Mueller ever gets to question him. Uh, He also, Woodward reports, said following that, I don't want to testify. I don't want to testify. Now, this is like a year ago. And what's Trump been saying more than a year ago, a year ago, and even recently? He says, I don't mind being interviewed. I don't mind sitting down and talking with Mueller. I have nothing to hide. There's nothing. There's no collusion here with Russia. But he he knows, and he's both trying to bullshit the American public. I don't want to testify. Uh, now, there's something else that's interesting in this Woodward book. And, I, again, I only picked it up from watching television today. Uh, General Mathis is reported to have said that the mental capacity of our president is that of a, and I quote, sixth grader, a sixth grader. He has the mental capacity of a sixth grader. Uh, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? We, we elected him. I didn't vote for him, but as a nation, we elected him. He is our president. May we survive. He's tough to handle. Want to talk about hurricanes. Hurricanes. We're into the hurricane season here. September is the worst, uh, generally. We had Irma last year. September 10th is the anniversary of Irma. So you understand the devastation a a hurricane can wrought. Here it is a year later, and there are certain parts of the Keys, the Florida Keys, that are still recovering from Irma. You go from Kudjo Key, which is 16 miles north of Key West, up through Marathon. That's where Irma came back big time full force as a four, I think. Homes were in the canals. The boats were on the roads. Cars were in the canals. I I saw it when I drove back. I left town. I was a coward, but 80% of the people in Key West left because when it's a five coming at you, you're not going to stay. Your home won't be there when you come back. Anyhow, uh, we're still recovering. US-1, the highway in and out of town, is clean. You go one block off US-1, where you are able to so do, and there's still houses down. There's still destruction. The debris hasn't been cleaned up. Most of the canals, and canals are like streets in the Keys. Everybody's got a canal just about. The canals still have houses in them, boats in them. I'm talking under the water, under the surface of the water. There are people still living in tents. They don't have a house to live in. They don't have money. They don't have food. We just got a grant here from some charity for for these people of $2 million or $200,000 to help feed them. Things are still bad. Now, where am I going? Here's where I'm going. We got a new hurricane. It's called Gordon. Started off yesterday. We were told about Gordon. It had no name. They don't give you a name until you're going to be a tropical storm. That's just before a hurricane. And we weren't even in a tropical storm yesterday, this storm. But it was coming at us. It was off the about 175 miles off the coast of Marathon out into the Atlantic. We were told 
they're not sure where it was going to hit. It could be Key West. It could be Marathon. It could be in between. It finally hit in the upper keys, let me tell you that, though. Because wind, 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 it's fickle. doesn't have to be a hurricane. doesn't have to be a tropical storm. Those of you who sail know you're sailing. It's terrific. You're doing like 15 knots, which is wonderful. And all of a sudden, boom, you're not moving because the wind shifted. The wind is fickle, and so is the strong wind of a hurricane. So anyhow, Gordon went over us last night here. It wasn't the heart of it. It wasn't the center of it, but we felt it. We had rain. Appreciate, understand that most houses now in Key West have tin roofs because they found that tin roofs survive a hurricane better than anything else. And when you have a heavy downpour going boom, boom, boom on the roof, it's like a machine gun. Uh, we had thunder. The thunder was so bad. I'm, I'm a good sleeper. The thunder was so bad, though, it woke me up twice. When you're here, ba ba boom, the dogs in town had to go crazy. Scared the hell out of me twice. And then the lightning. I have consistently said on this show and on the other shows I do and in writing, lightning when you live by the ocean is different. That lightning was consistent. I sleep with blinds. They were closed. But when that lightning hit, they came right through the blinds, through the little slits to close the blinds, and lit up the room like it was daytime. So that's how it was here last night. Today it's moved out, didn't do any damage here. It, the winds were only 45 miles an hour. The gusts were up to 60 miles an hour. It turned into a tropical storm when it hit the Gulf. The waters are warm. You need no warm water to get a hurricane. The water intensifies the wind, and you get a hurricane. It's in the Gulf right now, and it's heading for, they're not sure where, it's going to be one of three states or all three, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Alabama. They expect it will hit as a one. Uh, I hope it's only that, but even a one can do more damage than a two. It depends how that wind hits you at a particular moment and how strong the gusts are. So that's the story. We're sitting here waiting. Uh, I'm waiting to see, and we're actually, we're concerned here because we had a bad time last year. We had a bad time down here, and we're still recovering, and we feel sorry. For, we hadn't had a hurricane in 12 years. We feel sorry for anyone who has this problem now. I want to talk about something that Putin's uh, is in the process of doing. Vladimir Putin, Donald Trump's friend. We should all have a friend, a friend like Vladimir Putin. Uh, I titled this little dissertation, Get Them While They're Young. Get Them, E-M, while they're young. Hitler did it. Remember he had the Hitler Youth? In the 1930s, he took boys and he took girls. He sent them away to camps and to schools. They were taken from their parents. They lived separate and apart. They wore brown uniforms. They looked like little Hitler soldiers. And he trained them, and he trained them, and he made them think the Aryan way. He made them think the German way. He made them think Hitler's way. And then as they got older, some of them went in the service and fought in World War II. Most of them fought in World War II. Probably all of them fought in World War II, boys and girls. Syria has been at war. I don't know how many countries have been in Syria and how long the countries have been there. It's been ongoing for years, this Syrian conflict. And Russia, for the last few years, supports Assad. And they're in there with Iran supporting Assad. I'm not sure where we are anymore. I thought we were opposed to Assad and opposed to Russia and Iran. But the way Trump talks sometimes, I think we're going over to the other side with Trump, with Putin, and uh, with Iran. Anyhow, Putin announced last week that here's what they're doing. Here's what Russia's doing with the youth 
of Syria, male and female, the youth of Syria. They are taking eight children at a time. This program began a few days ago on September 1. It's called adaptation training. Do you like that term? Adaptation training. They're taking Syrian youth, those who should be honored, who, who had a parent or parents who were killed in the war in Syria, they're taking those children. They're bringing them to Russia. They're putting them in military schools, camps. These aren't detention centers like we had in the Southwest. They're going to treat these kids good. They're going to brainwash them. They're going to be built up mentally because they're going to be treated as the children of Syrian heroes. And as Putin said, when they go back to Syria, they will become the military elite of the Syrian Arab Republic. Scary, isn't it? I want to talk about Turkey for a moment and their president, Androgen. Uh, they don't like us anymore. A lot of, our friends don't like us. Let's start this way. We had a lot of friends till Trump became president. Countries. Now, he has taken our friends, Canada, Mexico, uh, the European Union, Germany, uh, France, England. They don't like us anymore because of Donald Trump and his crappy attitude, his approach to things, his domineering attitude, uh, his sanctions, his tariff wars. Whatever he does is wrong, and he makes enemies instead of friends. But Trump doesn't seem to care because his friends, his friends, the friends he wants are, are, are other despots. He's a despot. He has the making of a despot, Trump. He, he wants to be a, he's an authoritarian figure. He wants to be a dictator. He'd love to be president for life. He said it once. Mark my words. He wants to be president for life. Well, our enemies don't like us. Our friends don't like us. We really don't have anybody in this world that we can rely on right now. <coughs> Excuse me. So they're fighting a war against us. Let's take the, the countries that really don't like us and have not liked us and see what they're doing. Wars used to be fought with bullets. They may still be fought with bullets. But right now, our wars are fought with money. They are economic conflicts. Well, Androgen said, what the hell do I want to do business with America anymore? Because the tariff wars, the sanctions... If they sanction Russia, for example, and, and Turkey and Russia are very good friends, Androgen and Putin, for real, not the Putin-Trump relationship. Uh, he says, if I, if my country does business, some, some, some corporation, uh, then that corporation will not be able to do business with American banks uh, anymore because they get sanctioned indirectly or on a pass-through. And... Why does he want to do it? He wants to do it, he said, and I quote, because America behaves like wild wolves. America behaves like wild wolves. Trump is a wolf. And what he wants to do is have the world abandon the United States dollar. Great war, great goal, great aim. You see, most countries, they know our dollar's the strongest money in the world. And they like to invest. They like to use American dollars. Years ago, and I don't know how this came to be, but some plan was adopted by everybody. Now, most countries to this day, when they buy or sell oil, it must be done with American dollars. They're called petrodollars, petroleum dollars. 
China said a couple of years ago, screw you. <laughs> Why should we do this? Why don't we use the Chinese yun? So he's promoting the Chinese yun. In the meantime, Russia, China, Iran, Venezuela, Pakistan, and Turkey are getting together. They're going to have their own dollar. They're going to do business in their dollar. And if Americans want to do business with them, they've got to do business with their dollar, which I suspect will be the Chinese yuan. But we haven't come to that yet, but we're getting damn close. So what's this going to do? It will devalue our dollar. And if our dollar devalues, we head into a recession, we head into inflation, we head into all the bad things. It will destroy our country. And who will have been responsible? And this is a reality in the making, my friends. I believe it is a, a reality in the making. It will be Donald Trump and his stupid-ass activities like, I'm going to have a tariff war, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to sanction that one, and you're not my friend. And he alienates everybody, and those he thinks he's sucking up to and they're becoming his friends, they're, how, how do I put this? The countries I named, I'll tell you the kind of friend Russia is, for example, and all the other ones I mentioned, they put their arm around Trump with one they put their arm around his shoulder, one hand, his arm, one arm around his shoulder, and look in his eye and say, you're my friend. But with the other hand, they're in his back pocket picking his wallet. Okay. Watch what you do because there are repercussions. There's something called the First Amendment in this country, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. Arkansas State University, the legislature of Arkansas, there was a religious fanatic who was a leader of one of the houses in, Ar in the Arkansas legislator, legislature, probably an evangelical. And he says, I want to put on the campus of Arkansas State a statue with the Ten Commandments on it. What could be so stupid? You know, there is separation of church and state. This is a state university. Tax dollars. And he made a big issue out of it, and he was a powerful man, and he got his way. Three weeks ago, <laughs> a group came on campus and planted their statue there. It's an eight-and-a-half-foot-tall statue. It's by a satanic group, devil, a satanic group. It's a statue, I can't pronounce the word, I'll try, Bahamut, B-A-P-H-O-M-E-T. It's... Uh, a winged creature with a goat head and two children, a little boy and a little girl on each side, looking adoringly up at the goat's head. They are members of what is called the Satanic Temple, okay? And people are saying, you've got to take it down. And they're saying, why? Why do we have to take it down? We're a religious group. They're a religious group with the Ten Commandments. They can put the Ten Commandments up. We can put our Satanic heroes or people we respect. So I don't know where this thing's going to go. I think it's amusing. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. And the state of Arkansas deserves this. And they, this guy will probably, he's a hero probably out there who got it passed in the legislature. But bad things come out of what are thought to be good actions in the first place. We are told by Donald Trump we have the, and I quote, greatest economy ever, greatest economy ever. You and I know he's full of shit, excuse the way I put it. Uh, sure, the top 5% of this country have it good. The rest don't. The American dream has vanished. 
The Massachusetts Mutual Life Insurance Company recently did a study on the economy and whether it is the greatest economy ever, as touted by Donald Trump. And it said, no, no way. We're struggling with that. The 95% of the people uh, just don't have it. Uh, 80% of the people in America believe that the American dream is financial security and owning a home. They can't afford to own a home anymore. They don't mind having a mortgage. They can't afford to own a home. And they don't have money in the bank, so if they get sick, they can't last six months, forget six days or six weeks. Uh, And this is bothersome. The middle class is gone. They've got insurmountable debts, auto loans, credit card debt, payday loans, uh, student loans, et cetera, et cetera. And so they define and they say the American dream is gone. I'll tell you what really touched me and bothered me the most. I I don't know if it's from my generation. I'm 83 again. It goes way back. But they said, and I quote, the white picket fence is gone. Everyone dreams of buying a house with a white picket fence. That is gone. Well, that is the show for this week. I hope you have enjoyed. I, I, I love coming to you every Tuesday night. I love visiting with you. I love uh, that you're listening to me. The numbers go up dramatically every week. I can't believe this. The show isn't even three years old. Uh, and it gets more and more successful. I have advertisers, as you know. I love it. <laughs> I think it's terrific. I'm glad you joined me. I appreciate it. And I look forward to being with you again next week. <laughs>